If you've listened to the recent episodes, you will know that I've started working with Black Circle Records on some promotions, and this week is our first giveaway. You have the chance to win a copy of the new Arlo Parks record on limited edition red vinyl by going to the Mixtapes with Mike podcast Instagram page, where you will find a very clever animation that I made to announce the competition. You have to follow Mixtapes with Mike and Black Circle Records on Instagram and share that post to your stories. It's basically a way to get you guys to share my Instagram page to as many people as possible so that I can grow my audience, but you stand a chance to get something out of it. We will pick a winner at random and I will post a brand new copy of that record to your door. Don't worry about the copy you see me fondling in the post. That's my copy. The other one is still in the cellophane and waiting to be posted to you, the lucky winner. It could be you. This suddenly became cheesier than I thought it was going to be. So here's the podcast. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. Now this week's guest is a journalist who has written for publications like The Times and Transworld Snowboarding. And when he asked himself why there wasn't a decent action sports podcast out there, he took it upon himself to create one. And by giving himself a platform that isn't bound by word count or time restraint, he's created an atmosphere to have some really interesting conversations with some of the biggest names in action sports about their careers, the industry, and all the cultures with which they overlap. This week's guest is journalist, podcaster, and musician... Matt Barr. How the devil are you? I'm good. I like the live intro. That's high pressure, isn't it? I think, fuck, I think I'd be, I think I'd get proper stage fright if I had to do that every time. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I will go for the waffle intro. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, like, I do, I do re-record them, um, but I always like to start with the spiel, just just in case I need to just drop it in, in, in case something spontaneous happens, like the guest call out the uh, on-the-fly intro. So now that's going to have to be the start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm impressed, man. Like, it's it's slick. It's, it's I did think about doing that with mine, but I just thought, now it takes... Because whenever I do my intros, I normally, they always take about 10 takes anyway, because I just get confused with what I'm saying and stumble over my words and that. So, yeah, that, good on that, you. That does happen. Uh, I do find myself rewriting three or four times when I when I do start editing the episode. So if anything, you've saved me that. So it's so it's fine. Um, so as I said, we've been in the same room 30, 40 times most likely because uh, I used to work for the Snowboard Asylum back in the day. Yeah, we've got loads of mutual friends, right? Oh, loads. Uh, and so so we're talking. Movie premieres at Tamworth, uh, and we're talking board tests, ski shows, snowboard events, industry parties. There's, you know, I can guarantee we've been in the same place so many times. And I was, I was aware of, I was aware of you through sort of the UK video sort of scene back when uh, Tim and Gen were making the movies, right? And also. Also took a bit of an interest in in your music and stuff because you were in a band before, right? Uh, yeah, I've been in loads of bands. Yeah, yeah, I've been in. But looking at your array of um, musical instruments behind you, looks like you have as well. But yeah, I've been. Yeah, like since I was a kid, really. So yeah, and I was in a band like with loads of friends from snowboarding for for yeah, a fair while, good few years. And. You, you've written for various publications, uh, predominantly about action sports, but you, you are now a podcaster yourself. Yeah, I, I do a few things, actually. So I do, uh, I, I've got a day job. I run a, I run a business, I run a marketing agency, which, which is called All Conditions Media, which, which is working with action sports and outdoor brands. So that, that's what I do day to day. And then I still work as a journalist as well. Uh, increasingly these days actually i just edited a snowboarding magazine um 
like just finished that last week and then i also do the podcast yeah which started out as like the sort of classic um side project and then has grown into more of a you know proper thing over the years now how long has it been going uh, it's been going four years it's it's probably coming up to four years to the to the week actually i, I start I, put, I think i put the first one out february 2017 that's four years ago isn't it God, it's, fuck it's hard to remember in it at the minute <laughs> um and i started recording them like in january 2017 so yeah four years which is wild uh i've done 100 i just put episode 146 out yesterday that's crazy so, yeah it's not quite one a week but it's i guess it's worked out like one every 10 days or so yeah, I like because I I originally started mixtapes in 2017, when I became a dad, and it swiftly fell by the wayside because I was working a day job, getting to grips with becoming a parent, still doing stand up as well, and just I, f- I find with stuff like this, the second you you the second you stop doing it for a moment, and you fall out of the habit it's really hard to get back into the swing of things and especially if you've got loads of stuff going on and then my second month of furlough during the first lockdown I was like you know what I'm going to relaunch that and I did think about doing like sort of seasons like record 10-15 episodes put them out chill, yeah. chill for a bit then do another 15 but it's just kind of carried on so uh, we'll just see how far I get I suppose yeah it's a habit isn't it you got to you got to, like we were saying before we started recording. I think it's got to be an idea you enjoy, hasn't it? And obviously, this idea that you've got is great because you, you know, you get into loads of different conversations, and you, you know, I've had a listen to loads of them, and they're all really diverse, aren't they? Um, yeah, and they're a great way into people's stories, aren't they? Which is half the battle, really. So um, I think if you can keep it interesting for yourself, then it's probably going to have long- longevity because it, it is like a fair amount of work. It's what I think it's a lot more work than meets the eye. Definitely. Oh, mate, honestly, because I edit Tim and Gen's podcast for them. Fucking hell. I, I must take you a while. <laughs> you, no, actually, it's it's I mean, that's how I convinced them to do it. We were on a, we were on a night out. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only joking just because it's a bit of a standing joke because I, I, I hadn't. They kept asking me if I'd listen to it, and I'd not listened to it. So I'm always winding them up about it. But um, oh, no, it's great. It's, it's good. But it's free. It's fr- it's free for a minute. What they do? Yeah, pretty much. So we were on a night out, and I was just like, "Look, just I don't understand why you're not doing it. It's massive at the minute, and it's and it's only it's still it still hasn't reached its potential. And the, the, those two have got such great chemistry. Like people will want to listen." Uh, look, I'll, I'll edit it for you. I'll do it. I'll help. And Tim's like, really? And then we finally kind of nudged them into doing it. And it's great to see how they've kind of evolved in, what, four months. And it's really starting to come into its own. So it, it is good. But um, an episode of mixtapes, including the recording, will take anywhere between four and six hours to put together. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, when I started mine, I did everything. I did. I edited it, did the show note. Well, I had some friends, actually, that's not quite true. I had some friends that helped me with some post-production, but I would, I would like, create the edit, you know, and then pass it to them. So I did most of the kind of chopping and changing. Um, I did I did all the show notes because I do full show notes for every episode. Yeah. So I think it's probably full day back then for one yeah. of mine. Um, but now, like, luckily enough, I've got an editor, which is been um a life changer <laughs> I can imagine. To, be on, to be honest um he's great as well like she's she's really experienced so i just send her the audio and she she kind of knows what it's about now to make editorial decisions that i sort of trust so she just cuts it and if there's anything that she thinks i need to know about she lets me know which is which is really really great amazing so uh, obviously music's been a big part of your life so how did you approach making your mixtape? Uh, well, it made me laugh when I messaged you and I said, oh, it's really hard, this. And you were like, yeah, all right, mate, everyone says that. Um, and I, so what I tried to do was, I think I just tried to to find t- songs that, you know, 
meant different things at different parts in my life and also sort of symbolized different interests maybe that I've got. Okay. So rather than be like, these are my definitive, um, you know, the my favorite ever songs. I didn't I didn't really approach it like that because I think if I had it done, it would have all been really samey. So I wanted to and and my music taste is pretty it's fairly diverse. I mean there's a definite white man guitar music theme in here um so there's a there's a there's a lot of that going on which is definitely what i grew up listening to yeah. but um yeah so i tried to just choose stuff that i'd be able to have a bit of a chat about as much as anything else really okay is, so that, is that is that is that commonly how people approach it or do people just go like these are the songs bang done no we've we've had we've had people do sort of tracks from throughout their lives uh and and, th- and those can be lovely because quite often there'll be there'll be songs that are that they associate with family, um, or or certain points in in them growing up. Uh, we've had someone do a themed episodes where he came on and talked about his his top ten hip hop lyricists. So that was that was a really good a fun one. Yeah, um, we've. I've had one. I had one guest who was just super utilitarian about it. Going, Apple Music says that these are the tracks that I listen to the most. <laughs> I, like, I got the algorithm to choose. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, yeah, I didn't do that. So yeah, we've had quite a few sort of different approaches. Um, but but I, so like quite often, I guess will come back to me while we're sort of lining up to do the episodes. Like oh, so. So you know, what, what, how do I do it? You know, what, what is it? it the, it's your mixtape. It's however you want to approach it. Some people do this. Some people do that. It's your call, and we just sort of we just move from there. So, who's your first track by? Uh, David Bowie. That's a strong start. Yeah, yeah. I had to choose a Bowie track, really, and I mean, he's probably not. I don't really have like a favorite artist, but he's definitely one of my favorite artists. And I could have chosen anything really, you know, could have chosen Heroes, Let's Dance, some of the collabs, Lou Reed, Iggy, Brian Eno. I mean, you know, there's such depth there, isn't there? Um, but I went for this track. Am I allowed to say what it is? Or do we do, we do a big reveal? No, no, you can, you, you can say what it is at any point. So I went with this track of Ziggy Stardust, um, which is probably not like an obvious choice from that record, but it's my favourite track on that record. Um, I get, you know, brilliant opening line, brilliant vocal delivery. Mick Ronson, you know, it's like the kind of high point of the Spiders from Mars. Mick Ronson partnership for me. Like you can really hear like Mick Ronson all over this record. Um, and there's like... The bit where it comes out of the instrumental break, like the vocal line, I just think is, you know, as, as good as it gets, really. Yeah, I think I love about Bowie, and I think that really came across. Like, you know, it's recently five years since he died. Mm-hmm. So there's been, like, such retrospectives about him. You know, if you listen at all to Six Music there, it, I mean, it was, like, a week, wasn't it? It was just all they played was David Bowie and David Bowie documentaries. And, you know, like, the, the obviously, the visionary creativity is is unbelievable and probably you know prince maybe you know like multiple like endless different genres endless collaborations um you know an amazing patron like gave so many people their starts obviously like the kind of art house element to it as well but you know like the the kind of generosity and humanity of it all as well like he's a very generous songwriter it's all it's all very kind of inspiring stuff but he's managed to do that without being super cheesy you know which is which is quite a quite a difficult trick to pull off i think which is and that's something i really feel about this song as well i think it goes without saying that he's a really interesting person but like there was a there was a video clip that's been doing the rounds a little bit just recently i've been talking to jeremy paxman about the internet jeremy paxman completely misses the point about the potential of it and david bowie completely understands that we're yeah. only scratching the surface and it's going to be one of the most wonderful and terrifying things to happen to humanity 
and Paxman was just like, what? It's, it's just a delivery device, surely. I don't agree. I think the internet, I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg. I think the potential of what the internet is going to do to society, both good and bad, is unimaginable. I think we're actually on the cusp of something exhilarating and terrifying. It's just a tool, though, isn't it? No, it's not. No. No, it's an alien life form. Yeah. Yeah, I know the clip. It's it's great. I mean, the thing about Barry as well, he's like a... He's a proper art schooler. You know, it's like that real tradition in British pop music of, of the, you know, the kid that went to art school that kind of studied, like, yeah, music, but also dance and, you know classical art modern art like Damon Albarn classic John Lennon classic Brian Ferry like they're all art school kids which has kind of died out a bit recently because that you can't really do that anymore in this country but Barry was definitely that and you know was as clued up about for example the medium of dance as he was about music and all, all that like adds up to the to why it's all such a complete package really and then you know the songs are just incredible like you know you can do you can you can have all that but then to have the good the, the amazing songwriting with it is you know there's a handful of people that have ever pulled that off really so like i said could have chosen one of 30 songs but went for this one in the end Bowie, who are we listening to now? Uh, so this is the Smiths. Now I had to choose something from Manchester, really. Um, I'm, I am actually from Manchester, although I've not lived there for a long time. I actually, you know, these days I'd say I'm posh mank emigre, really. Um, I'd listened to your Ben Grove episode and I was like, yeah, fuck me, there's a proper mank. I, thought... <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't count myself to be one of them these days because I've lived in Brighton too long, but... You know, I grew up in Manchester till I was... I left when I was 18. And, you know, I'm 44 now. So I was 14 when the Stone Roses record came out. I was 18 when Definitely Maybe came out. And I was living in Manchester. You know, it's a good era to be growing up in Manchester. So, you know, obviously that really has shaped my music taste, really. You know, I remember my sister gave me the Stone Roses record when I was like 13 or whatever. And, you know, it's like, bloody bloody blah blah has the end of all that stuff, you know, factory records and all that. I mean, I think when I look back on that now, that was probably, when I look back on, like, me as a, somebody making music, I think that was probably, like, not a positive influence. You know, that, that whole sort of, like, band as gang, like, laddie, sort of strain which there's a lot of you know there's a lot of that about yeah but you wouldn't know that at the time like looking looking back you can see that there's an attitude that got attached to that music and i certainly felt it when i because like i was like a little metalhead when all that was kind of happening yeah and all of a sudden you would have a different type of teenager getting into like guitar music um and it, there, was, there was this, there was a different culture that got attached to it, but the music was was still was still enjoyable. And yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But but it is it is it is definitely a thing that like that whole monkey walking, you know, erer Manchester yeah. thing. Like that is a real thing. And when I was growing up, it was definitely a real thing. And I don't know. I think I think like. When I look at it now, it's almost become... It's a bit of an industry, isn't it? There's a bit of, like, almost, like, a nostalgia industry around that now. You know, Peter Hook still fucking touring with his knockoff Joy Division band, you know what I mean? And telling stories about the about the Hacienda. I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, there's, there's great parts to that and there's also, like, parts that perhaps haven't aged that well, I would say. Um, but nevertheless, you know, all those bands, to me, like, 
Happy Mondays, Stone Roses, fucking Spiral Carpets. I was a Carpets fan. Um, you know, they, they were like really important to me when I was growing up. But I've chosen the Smiths because, you know, for me, they're the greatest ever band out of Manchester, um, which is, I would definitely stand by that opinion. You know, for me, they're like... A lot of people would agree with you too. I mean, the, the track you've picked is actually the same Smiths track that was picked on the very first episode of Mixtapes back in 2017. Interesting. Who chose that? A, a, a comedian friend of mine by the name of Andrew McBurney, who loves sad music, but also loves sort of uh, melodic, jangly guitars. That's that. See, that's funny that you say sad music, though, because one of the things I really love about the Smiths is I actually think they're really funny. You know, when I think of Morrissey, like I I place Morrissey next to like Victoria Wood and Alan Bennett. You know, I think it's and, and that's actually almost why I chose this song, because this song's a piss take. You know, yeah. like this this song, when it was released, you know, it's the ab like Morrissey and Marr, you know, one of the greatest songwriting partnerships ever, like clearly. You know, they were fucking young as well. Like Johnny Marr when this came out was about eighteen, I think. And they were absolutely at the height of their powers. And like when this came out, they were already quite famous. I think because this isn't on an album, this is on a compilation. Um I think it's on Louder Than Bombs maybe. And he was already like notorious Morrissey. He was already, you know, in the papers on the TV for being like the miserable Mancunian guy. And I just love the fact that they wrote he wrote this as like basically acknowledging that and a piss take, really. You know, because so for me, I don't listen to this and think it's. I mean, it's it's obviously not like rolling in the aisles. You know, it's not. But but for me, I think the humour of of him is is often really overlooked and i just kind of i kind of think you know somebody that can write a song lyrically which nods to this public perception that he had at the time which is also like just a brilliant piece of you know lyric writing and then you've got johnny marr like basically reinventing the guitar hero like for a, for a new era with his utterly unique playing you know i just think it's you know there's never never been another band like him really and plenty of people have tried to to replicate this let's be honest you know like oh, yeah um so for me you know it it really sums up it also really reminds me of being a kid in manchester as well and like in the 80s and, and getting into music you know my favorite album of theirs is the queen is dead and i thought well i could choose something off the queen is dead but like i say i kind of kind of went for this um for the reasons that i said really so yeah so this is uh, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now yeah when Andrew talked about it he's like he said the lyrics were kind of funny to him but they, they made a lot of sense. Like, I, 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 you know, uh, I needed a job and then I found a job and heaven knows I'm miserable now. And that's exactly what happened. He needed a job, got a job, and was miserable because it, it was a shit job. So he's just like, oh, there's so much truth. I mean, but that is like the 1980s right there, you know. Like, it's it's like Alan Bleasdale, you know. It's, 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 proper, it's a proper perfect British social commentary, which is... It's pretty pretty fucking hard to do, really. Okay, so that's the Smiths. Who are we listening to now? Uh well I'm going for yet another like sort of classic act, which is the Beatles. Um and again, I kind of grew up with the Beatles, so I couldn't really not have the Beatles in here. Um and I do think they're one of the greatest I mean I don't even think you can say band, I think you know, sort of cultural forces ever really you know there's like a bit of a tendency these days i've heard like quite quite a few threads online recently saying now the beatles are overrated and I, i'm just like that's just that's just a slight it's kind of like saying shakespeare is overrated or 
George Orwell's overrated. It's that, just that, it's just a slightly idiotic statement, isn't it? You know, it's a, yeah, it's, it's it's precisely that. It's a hipster observation to make to set yourself apart from the masses. That's how I would take that. If you know, if, if don't get me wrong, you can you can you can not like him. Fine. Exactly. You can yeah. prefer you can prefer other bands of the of the time to the Beatles. That's fine. But to make a sweeping comment like that just shows to me that they don't understand the well I, I just yeah and I just don't think you need to have and it's it's fine to say that's not for me you know you don't need to then make it about like and actually in their shit as well you know it's just like don't don't be silly you know like you're just being you know that Thomas Hardy is fucking shit mate it's just like it's just an idiotic thing to say isn't it I don't really trust anyone that says something like that because I just think it, like like you just said it's it's just too desperate an attempt to have an opinion, isn't it? Really. Yeah. But then, having said all that, you know they are so overplayed, and the, it's so ubiquitous. Like it is everywhere, isn't it? And that's kind of why I chose this track actually, because it's quite it's quite hard to to hear the Beatles with fresh ears, and and not like hear the versions of the songs that you just have heard mm-hmm. since you were born, you know. And um, I mean, Paul's probably my favourite Beatle, like for sure. But I went for this John Lennon track, and it's quite. And I went for this like pretty obscure version from the anthology as well, which is, you know, not not for full hipster points. But I think when I listen to this again, you just realise that they were just a couple of lads fucking about mm-hmm. and playing you know in this they're just playing acoustic it's a demo of the song and they're just playing acoustic guitars and, and harmonizing and clearly having an amazing time doing it you know he's obviously just written this song mm-hmm. which is again just an absolutely incredible song off revolver and it's the other reason i really like this this song one of the reasons that i chose it as well is a bit like the morrissey thing you know there's a great story behind this one which is that um they were like hugely famous and John Lennon was basically taking a shitload of acid and sleeping all day. It was just when they decided to stop touring. So they'd, they just had all the money in the world. He just moved to this huge house in the country, just outside London. And all they were doing was like go to the studio and getting fucked the whole time. And he did an interview for the evening standard with this journalist called Maureen Cleave, who was really famous at the time. And it was headline, and she turned up at the house supposedly, and he was like, you know, middle of the afternoon, he was in bed, and um, and she wrote this article, which was, "Is this the laziest man in Britain?" I think that was like the headline, um, and he and he wrote this song as like a as like a riposte to it, mm-hmm. and you know, again, I just think talk about somebody at the absolute height of their creative powers that could actually just respond to that in this just brilliant way and it's not even one of their most famous songs it's just like just like album track bang you know um so i just i just really you know i like it for all those reasons those are the you know few reasons why i really like the beatles i grew up with them i think when you when you're my age and you got into like guitar music the way that i did you know all roads led back to the beatles really oh absolutely um, I I often think I often feel sorry for musicians growing up in Liverpool because that city is justifiably proud of them, but they they'll never let the city forget. Like they're 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 in murals. They're they're you know they're a tourist thing. There's a museum. So to to be a musician growing up in that city, there's a there's a lot to live up to there. And I know there's there's loads of really good bands that have come out of Liverpool since, um, but it just I just wonder if if it ever weighs on on musicians. It maybe at some point in their life do they ever feel like weighed down by that? Well, I guess that's what kind of what I was talking about when I was talk, talking about the Manchester thing earlier, like you know the shadow of that cultural event that, mm-hmm. that's sort of what i meant really when i said it you know or it could almost be damaging in some ways because it's a similar thing in manchester like certainly when i was a kid you know like there was like those bands that were like the pinnacle and it's very hard to you know i think i think there's a really healthy strain of like dance music and an alternative 
music culture in Manchester, which kind of like diverged from that, which is really healthy and which has helped keep that city scene like really interesting. But I guess I, I totally know what you mean. I think with the Beatles, like they're so, yeah, they're just such a huge thing, aren't they? Especially if you if you're from that town. If you live there, they're kind of omnipresent. They're, you know, they're just always there. And I, I just, I was just like, man, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could take trying to write music in this city. I just think I'd be too sort of like, it's, it's been done. You well, know? it's like, um, <laughs> there's a scene in Liverpool, which the music press used to call the Cosmic Scouser, um, which, which is like from the 80s. But also the choral would be part of that. And that's just basically kids in Liverpool that listen to the weirder Beatles music and Pink Floyd smoke shit loads of weed. The Zootons <laughs> would also be beard. And it's called cool, like Cosmic cosmic Scouse, Echo and the Bunnymen. Mm-hmm. Ice, you know, all those like uh, Teardrop Explodes kind of all starts with that, you know. Um, so yeah, perhaps that was a, an attempt to break free of that shadow really. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I love them. I still, I go, I go back probably every five years a bit like the smiths actually i don't i'll go i tend to not listen to it and then i'll be like i'll remember and then i'll listen to nothing else for like a few weeks and then i'll probably leave it again that's kind of how it goes with the beatles really so yeah okay so it, this is uh this is i'm only sleeping and it's the uh like a demo version of the anthology just to get him into guitar music to put put like one of the greatest hits records on and just just so that so he kind of absorbs it a little bit yeah i mean it's great for kids isn't it because it's just dead easy to sing along to isn't it okay so moving on from the beatles your next track is by an artist i i know of i know the name i recognize the name but i've never really listened to so tell me who this is by so this is Graham Parsons um, with Emmy Lou Harris, but like the, it's it's off a of Graham Parsons record. Um, yeah, I mean I love country music. I mean this is kind of what I was saying at the beginning. You know, I wanted to sort of pick choices that represented things that I'm into, and I love I love country music. Like I'm in a I'm in a country music covers band right now, although that's on hiatus thanks to COVID, obviously. And I really like that point where country songwriting met like the 60s and 70s like sensibility of you know drugs and counterculture really which is a very particular scene um because you know country music like has a very classic i mean there's certainly booze and drugs involved all the way through mm-hmm. hank williams for example you know famously drank himself to death at the age of i don't know 29 or something but there's this point where rock music and country music started to sort of cross over and combine like Californian scene and Grant Parsons is really sort of synonymous with that and he you know he's obviously like this sort of tragic rock and roll myth figure you know died another one that died when he was 27 there's the whole story about his body like his road manager nicking the dead body and driving it to joshua tree and setting fire to it i don't know if you know about that there's a film about that like there's all these like myths about grand parsons that they're actually quite sad you know really because he was obviously like a very he's a young boy really and just too too strung out on drugs but like huge influence you know supposedly wrote wild horses with keith richards um started out in the birds got his break in the birds and in, like did a great record called sweetheart of the rodeo with the birds which is basically he's like persuaded the birds to go country got kicked out of the birds um and then basically was given this amazing platform in nashville to make these records which this tracks off with like all these 
amazing players in Nashville, like the best sort of country session guys. Um, and just sort of pissed it up the wall, really, and didn't didn't really fulfil his obvious talent, and left you know left two great but pretty patchy records. You know, I think I think if you were gonna say what his legacy was now, it'd be a lot of the things that I kind of mentioned, but but also the fact that he discovered Emmy Lou Harris, you know, who's still going and who's still now one of like the, the kind of you know first ladies of country music really so, so this this track is like him paying homage to like the country music that he grew up with really you know this is pretty straight country song really um and i also chose it because re- it reminds me of my wife like we make music together and we recorded a record a few years ago that we and we wanted to do a lot of harmonizing so we listened to these records a lot to, to sort of just learn how to do it really um, so we used to sing like this song and a lot of a lot of the Graham and Emmy Lou songs together because the harmonies are just amazing you know so I mean I could have again I could have chosen Towns Van Zandt you know I love Towns Van Zandt I could have chosen a Birds track off that record uh, the Sweetheart of the Rodeo that I mentioned could have chosen like a george jones track like a hank williams track like any like but i just yeah i've always got a bit of a soft spot for gram really so um and also because i play a lot of gram stuff with the lads that i'm in this this band with so there's no reason to choose it really all right so uh, so this is uh we'll sweep out the ashes in the morning gram parsons and emily harris So that's Graham Parsons. Who's up next? Uh, Steely Dan, this next track is. So, I mean, I named my dog after a Steely Dan song. So I kind of had to really? include I had to include him, really. Um, I didn't choose the song, like my dog's called Peg, and I, d- I didn't choose the song Peg because it felt a little bit on the nose. Um, so I went for the, I mean, again, I could have chosen a lot of, a, a lot of different steely dan tracks really um so i went i went for this one like you know steely dan basically a couple of session muso jazzers really um who wrote who were massive in the 70s wrote a lot of very nerdy clever pop music you know there's a lot of people that are very very into steely dan like i've got a friend who runs a podcast called the monday mass guy called chris cote in the states who's like a musician a podcaster he like for him they're like the best band ever you know he like he is obsessive about this band and they're that kind of band really like blokes particularly blokes that are really into music tend to really really like them but you know they have they've got a couple of like proper bangers that that you will know like peg the song was sampled by Arrested Development, for example. You know, they, they, right. they've got this like proper pop cultural cut through as well. Um, but yeah, I went with Dirty Work, which is off a record. I think it's off Can't Buy a Thrill. And, you know, they they use session guys, like they would write the songs and then just get session guys in to play them. So it's, su- it's super slick music. You know, it's really... It's it's very clean, like the production's beautiful, the playing's you know flawless. Um, so they so the records sound great, which I really like. Um, so yeah, I went for this one, Dirty Work, which has the best pronunciation of the word medieval in uh, pop music, I would say. Well, I mean, like I was listening to your mixtape today, and the, on on the first listen, I was, I was like, right, I think this is going to be my favourite track of this mix um because i've never really listened to them like i i, I hear people talk about them and they, and, and you hear people uh, reference them uh, i've i've seen people argue about whether steely dan are good or not in in tv shows like sitcoms and stuff like that so 
but I listened to this. I was just like, no, this I could listen to to more of. Like I'm 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 really enjoying this. Um, so it, it it definitely got me. It definitely piqued my interest to like go deeper. So if if, if you were going to recommend an album to start with, what would you say? I wouldn't recommend an album actually because it, it, it it's. I'd recommend, and I know I took the piss out of the algorithm earlier, I'd recommend the top 10 um, recommended on Spotify, which is like heresy, and I, I totally get that. But they, a, a, a lot of it's pretty wiggy, you know, a lot of it's a lot of it's too jazzy for me. Like, it, it, I, I gotta be in the mood for it, and as we're gonna, we're gonna get to, like, I don't mind a bit of fucking weird music, and I don't mind a bit of jazz. But, um, I think like they've, they've got the gems, you know, they've got the proper that a lot of their songs were like proper seventies MOR radio staples. I remember I did a trip around America with Christian Stevenson and you've had on the show and we were driving from Denver to Salt Lake over a month. It was a really amazing trip and it was with a load of, I mean, at the time kids, but now like growing ups like Paddy Graham uh, was on that trip. He was like 16 at the time, I think. Uh, Lord Barry was on that trip. Moe Buchan, who ended up going to the Olympics, I think he was 12 on that trip. And then there was all us lot who were like the adults. There was like me, Christian, Ed Lee was on that trip. Tim again were on that trip. And me and Christian basically sat in the front of the van the whole time just listening to, you know, really shit American rock radio. And Steely Dan were on every like 10 minutes. You know, like these, these, the classics, you'll have heard them because they're very overplayed so I'd go I'd go with that really but I can't buy Thrill if you're going to choose a record it would, would be a good place to start okay so which track have you picked now uh, this is Dirty Work If I'm not mistaken, I think this might be the first time someone's picked this next artist for mixtapes. So who's this next one by? Uh, this is Nina Simone. That's quite surprising. Mate, you're the first person to pick the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're gonna have a long run with this show, aren't you? So it's all gonna come up at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, Nina Simone. Again, I, I. I I kind of chose this not because it's Nina Simone actually because of the song that it is so this is a Dylan song mm-hmm. and the first so like and then the first recording of this song was by the band on music from Big Pink which is a, vers- a version that I don't particularly like but it's like this song for me is like perfect like Dylan band Nina Simone like Venn diagram um and this song is one of those songs that's been recorded by, like, you know, it's a million versions of this song. Like Jeff Buckley, for example, did a, did a really good version of this song. And I think they, Dylan and the band, first recorded it on a record called The Basement Tapes. And Dylan's done a version as well, but I do like Bob Dylan, but it's one of them where... I often think people do better versions of his songs than, than he does. And I think this is like a bit of a case in point, really. So yeah, I think I, he's one of those artists that everyone has to spend some time with and people will have their favourites. But personally, I can't listen to him for too long. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've ended up compiling... a a Dylan playlist of like the stuff that I like you know so which which required a shitload of cherry picking because I just think there's a lot of it I just it just isn't you know as we were saying earlier it just isn't for me really for whatever mm-hmm. reason so I mean I look like the band I don't know if you know the band are but they were like Dylan's backing band for years when he went electric and then they released um, like I say a song called uh, a record called Music from Big Pink and then well they released loads of records but then their second record was just called the band and i absolutely love that record and i nearly chose something by the band but then i kind of thought well i've already chosen like loads of countryfied white mate white men rock music so um i went for this nina simone version of 
a Dylan song that the band covered first to kind of, you know, cover that one. Um, and I obviously love Nina Simone. Like, uh, like she's clearly incredible. And this is, I think, the best version of this song that's ever, ever been recorded. So okay, that's why so, I chose it. Okay, so this is... I Shall Be Released. Man who says he's not to blame So I said before, the first listen, that Stevie Dan was my favourite track. And then I heard this next one. So who's this by? Uh, this is a band called Dungan, um, who are a Swedish band. But really, it's a Swedish musician. Um, I can't even remember his name now. But he's one of them twats that, like, plays everything. <laughs> records everything <laughs> writes everything produces everything you know he's like proper complete package really he plays like drums flute guitar um, but Dungan you know I like a lot of I'm a big fan of like psych music you know I've grown up listening to psychedelic music from the 60s 70s 80s and again like I've been saying I wanted to choose a song that sort of that was about that really you know that was about that that type of music that I'm that I've been really into, and I thought about loads of different different tracks. You know, I'm a huge um, Spaceman Three fan, who were like a psych band from the '80s from rugby in the UK, who I absolutely love. Um, you know, I really like Can, love Can. Could have chosen Can, who sort of also for me represent this kind of type of psychedelic rock music that's also got a proper groove you know what i mean like it's yeah. it's also like that that's the thing i really like about dungan you know it's it's like it's for me they're my favorite sort of modern psych band really and it's it's you it's mainly instrumental like there's a couple of they, they, they sing on a couple of them and they sing in swedish which kind of adds to the the effect really um, but I just think they're absolutely amazing. I think they're one of the greatest bands in the world right now, really. And I was lucky enough to see them in London. You know, they're one of them. They play in London every sort of five years. And if they're playing, I'm, I'm going, you know. So I saw them about five years ago. And it was really weird. It was like they played this outdoor stage in King's Cross to about 50 people. Um, it was very odd in terms of like a venue for him because you know yeah. you want to see him in a little dirty club like yeah um but yeah they were absolutely amazing and um this is probably my favorite track of theirs i'd need to look up how you pronounce it actually but yeah he's a genius for sure it's called Frey dag but i'm sure that's not how you pronounce it but yeah it's uh it's dungan Frey dag let's say It's another very interesting track by an artist I wasn't aware of. So, so who's this by? So this is uh, by a friend of mine. Actually, he's he's a, guy, he's a friend of mine called John, but he he records under CJ Mirror, and um, I really like this particular strain of like pastoral ambient analog synth music like i've always just really loved like there's a again there's a real particular genre really which you could i'm going to say sort of starts with brian eno really like brian eno did a record called another green world which is again and i know i'm repeating myself something i could have chosen a track off for this um and then you know that's kind of developed and there's a lot of artists that have kind of really ran with that, like Aphex Twin, you know, is a bit of an obvious example of, of this type of like synth music, dance music, whatever you want to call it, ambient music, as sometimes gets called. There's a band called Boards of Canada that I really love as well, Scottish oh, band. Boards of Canada are amazing. Yeah, you know, that's the same sort of thing, like 
real pastoral bluesy but really really melodic music you know like it's very it's more about producing a you know mood than a song you know and yeah so i've always really loved that and i I chose this because he's a mate for a start and i wanted to include a song by a friend because i've i've grown up playing music with friends i've never actually played with john um but you know i think that's been really important to me to like support what my friends do like musicians because I'm, I'm lucky enough to be part of a, a scene down here in brighton that you know it's just loads of people in bands like playing music playing on each other's records never going to get anywhere nothing's going to come of it no one's probably going to ever hear it and um, john's actually really successful so it doesn't apply to him but but i think i think that's that's important you know to sort of to kind of represent that really and also because when i heard this and i said to him you know i basically kind of said like all right you you know it's really reminiscent of like boards of canada like Aphex twin like sort of again this pastoral strain of like techno and but he's done something he's managed to do something quite new with it i think um, and not just copy, you know, not just copy it. He's like, he's he's kind of made it his own, really. So that's so I, that's why I chose this one, really. Again, I'm gonna have to look up how you pronounce it. There we go. Um, so yeah, that's, that that was the thinking behind this. So I just think it's a beautiful piece of music. This I really really love it. What did you think when you heard it? I loved it. Um, and I I I I, I, just, I definitely see what you mean about Brian Eno. I hadn't made the connection with Boards of Canada, but now that you, you say it, it makes a lot of sense. This was one of the points where my wife walked into the room and just went, what are you listening to? <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's definitely, definitely moved on from the Beatles, for sure. Yes, definitely. Um, if, if you left the room at one po- point and came back in later, you, you might not necessarily think I was listening to the same mix. But um, no, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I did, I did wonder if you might be interested in in doing the the podcast as well because I, I've I've not had a composer on. I oh, he'd, he'd love to. I'll, I'll I'll ask him. Yeah, he'd love to for sure. Amazing. Yeah, okay. yeah. He's a he's a, he's a ledge. I mean, he does he, he does just to big him up a bit more. He does a lot of soundtracks. So he does a lot of surf film soundtracks. He did he did a brilliant project a couple of years ago called Translate with another friend of mine, a, a director called Chris McLean, and they he made a really like impressionistic surf film that John composed the soundtrack for I'd really recommend watching that it's like a proper classy piece of work and you know he's an artist he's just he's just like plugging away doing his thing making really really clever interesting melodic music so you know what to what to big that up really okay so this track is Everglade Parade CJ Mirror So the the latter stage of this mixtape is getting more uh what's the what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Um avant garde too pretentious. Um we've I've had classical music submitted before for mixtapes, but I've never had anything like this next track. So who's this? Uh this is Arvo Hurt, I think you pronounce it. He's an Estonian composer. Yeah, what do your wife think of this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, she, she, runs, she just runs screaming from the from the living room with her hands over her ears. <laughs> she just kind of shot me a look, going, "Really?" And I'm just like, "It's interesting stuff." <laughs> so, so, but just, just for context, my wife has a genre of music that she listens to, and and that's it. She she's as much, as much as I try to broaden her horizons, she she likes rock music, um, you know, a lot of a lot of metal stuff, but very contemporary rock music, and I can't steer her anywhere else. But uh, so 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 understanding that, you you know how jarring this might sound to her. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, Arvo Pert, I mean, you know, he is a very, very famous composer. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, he's definitely not niche. Like in his, in his world, he's probably the most famous. I mean, he's definitely one of the most famous modern classical composers in the world. One of the most influential as well. There's no doubt about that. And this, this piece of music is also like really, really well known. Like it's, it's, um, it's forever popping up on film soundtracks. It's in adverts. It, you know, do you know Adam Curtis? Do you know his documentaries? Um, name. Like it's 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 always getting played on like Adam Curtis style sort of moody, doomy documentaries. Um, yeah, I mean, I just love this piece of music. It is, it is challenging, but also it's really. I, I think it's really melodic and beautiful. You know, like I, I guess it sums up a feeling that I sometimes like to get from music and that can be from anything. Like it could be from classical music as in this case, or it could be from techno or it could be from really abrasive rock and roll. It's a kind of like happy, sad, melodic, yet also quite harsh. Yeah. Cause there are points in this, in this track where, where it's quite, abrasive and fractious and then there's there's points towards the end of it where it's it, it settles down and it finds a melody in it and it becomes a little bit more tuneful and i love that ab- ab- about certain songs where there's where there's because quite often you 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 look to an album for contrast you know the peaks and the and and the troughs to to set things apart but this is probably the first time a piece of music's been sort of submitted for mixtapes where you get contrast in one track, in one sort of self-contained piece of work. Yeah, I mean, it. I've been listening to this piece of music for a long time now, you know, years and years and years. And like, I hear something different in it every single time, you know, like it's... And it has, like I say, this sort of cor- slightly corrosive feeling to it there's something quite quite uncomfortable but also like i say beautiful about it and i do i do quite like that in music you know i like there's a track called sister ray by the velvet underground which is obviously like nothing like this piece of music but it almost gives me a similar feeling like that is almost unlistenable that song it's a 17 minute like guitar jam you know that i think they recorded in like one take the velvets used to play it I think they did like hour-long versions of it, and when they played live and stuff. But it, it, there's parts of it where it kind of just transcends the noise and has this like weird drone-like kind of beauty to it. And I, I quite like that in in music. I quite obviously a lot of the music I've chosen is really melodic. You know, there's like quite it's, it's pretty poppy stuff. A lot of it, um, even if it's like Steely Dan, even Dungan have got tunes. You know what I mean? Like, but like this the, I, I like i like the kind of uncomfortable like i say happy sad sweet sour element to this and, and also as i've got older i've just have been listening to more and more classical music and but you know this is a piece of music that i just have I've been coming back to now like i say for for 15 20 years you know like and when and when i was when i was putting this together it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to put that in because you know, like it, it, it is an important piece of music to me. This really, so okay, so yeah, so this, so this track is, uh, I think you say fratres. I think that's how you say it, Arvo Pert. So moving on from uh, our ballpark, we find ourselves at your final track. But before we get into that, for the benefit of anyone who's not already familiar with your work, where's the best place to find out about you and what you do? Probably the podcast, actually, yeah. So that's all can be found. I've got a website, www.wearelookingsideways.com. Just got like all the podcasts that I do and links to like there's a blog on there there's like i'm writing a book at the minute which will be released through that website 
um, a book about the podcast. So yeah, there's loads of shit on there. And I mean, I'm, I'm on Instagram quite a lot as well, to be honest. So okay. I'm on Instagram at We Look Sideways. I tend to be fairly active on there. But yeah, podcasts come out every, like I say, every 10 days or so. So, so yeah, probably okay. on there. So who's your final track by? Final track is uh, Jaga Jazzist who are a Norwegian jazz band and you know again it's pretty experimental track really um yeah I mean I really I really like weird experimental music you know I, I do like jazz I do like stuff which is experimental for the sake of it like I don't always need a melody or a song even you know like I can and again, this is why I chose stuff like Arvo Pert and Dungan and CJ Mirror, as well as like the Beatles, Bowie and, and stuff, and Graham Parsons, which are just obviously like melodic, melodic songwriting stuff. Because I can get something out of the intention of art, you know, as well as the outcome, if that makes sense. And and like that, that's something that I really like about, you know, I like I like art and music that is doing something for the sake of it, as much as it is doing something because there's going to be an outcome at the end of it which is like a song you know so I kind of chose this song because again you know that's an important thing to me when I listen to music and specifically there's a couple of reasons I chose this one and yet again repeating myself for the fifth time I could have chosen loads of different songs to sort of sum up this this thing but it reminds me of a really specific time in my life which is when I was in the band we were talking about earlier with a really close friend of mine um, a guy called Ewan Wallace and you know we spent years and years and years playing in the band together and when we started out you know we were fucking rubbish like absolutely terrible and but then you know we we started to take it seriously over like a sort of 10 year period and then we started to try and really like learn how to make music together and in the end you know we made a load of music together that I'm really proud of like you know towards the end and like the record that I did with my wife, like he wrote half the songs with me, like he played on all that. And so it just kind of reminds me this of like a really brilliant creative time in my life. And this was quite, we like, we really liked this song. And what we liked about this song was the fact that it, even though it is like pretty out there and very jazzy, it's got this really meandering unfolding melody Mm-hmm. that goes on for ages you know like it's it 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 goes on for maybe like a minute you know the the actual main motif of the song and it's actually really beautiful like the melody even though it's like really complicated and it's quite buried in there and we we just really liked the complexity and the 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 kind of beauty of that like this sort of chaotic background I mean, I actually think this is a really euphoric song, but but we we really liked that the way that this melody unfolded. And we, to be honest, we tried to sort of cop it. Really, you know, when we would write songs, especially in the instrumental sections, mm-hmm. you, know, you make music by the looks of it. A lot of it is a lot of it's going like, oh, I really like that. How did they do that? And then you know, not copying it, just just trying to work out how you can apply. How, how do I write something like that? Yeah, it's like anything. You just try to learn, aren't you? So. Mm-hmm we definitely took a lesson from this you know that you didn't have to just try and write like a punchy sort of poppy melody you know you were allowed to like let something unfold and 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 make it a a bit more challenging but equally like rewarding so again it's just another track that i always come back to really and um yeah you know it's 17 or whatever piece maybe not 17 but it's a massive old Norwegian jazz band (laughs) (laughs) having a proper wig out with a really nice melody all the way through it so um, yeah you know it's it's, when I look back it's an important piece of music for me really okay so so this is this is Jaga Jazzist and all I know is tonight superb Matt thank you so much for coming on Uh, I I, I've admired your podcast for quite a while, so um, I'm, I'm I'm flattered that you wanted to come on, and I'm really happy that you've you've taken the time to talk about music. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. It's great. But I really like what you do, man. So keep it up. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're on something for sure. 
So that concludes this week's episode and I'm chuffed to bits with that. I've listened to Matt's podcast for quite a while and for him to come on and have such a great conversation about music and to be into the concept of the show was kind of validating for me. So I'm really grateful to him for giving up his time and and bringing a lot of new music to my attention, which I'm definitely going to look a little bit deeper into. But as ever, we kept the music discussed played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do. So if you do want to listen to Matt's mixtape in full, you can get it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a positive review on whatever platform you're listening on or maybe share it with a friend who you think would enjoy it. I'm really trying to grow the audience and any help you can give me on that front would be massively appreciated. But for now, I will see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike. (laughs) 